Life can be a challenge, a race, a journey, a competition. It can be filled with struggles, battles, testing, and trials of all kinds. But you can endure, overcome, and succeed in whatever comes your way. God gives us all that we need to live a successful life when we focus on Him and choose the path that He set out for us. He designed the pattern for us to live by. He shows us how to avoid the things that trip us up and can lead to dead ends. He encourages us to keep going and to be at peace as we press on. So forget the pain and troubles of the past. God forgives us when we fail, and He promises to meet all of our needs. You can go the distance when you set your eyes on the prize and discover how to win within. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for all of you who are joining us online today. We're so grateful, and you're there. You are every single week. We have people that are all over the Houston area that are joining us, and we have people all over Texas. And amazingly, up in the northeast of the United States, down to Florida and over to California, and so many states were amazed. And the reason it's happening is that so many of our members have invited family and friends to join online and you keep coming back. We're really, really grateful. Thank you for being here today. And for everyone who is in person on all four campuses of Sugar Creek, oh, I am so glad you're here. I look out and I see a lot of smiling faces out there. And the truth is, when I talk to people from the other campuses, from all of our campuses, they just say to me, it is just great to be back. It is great to fist bump. It's great to shake hands. It is great to hug each other. It's just great to sing and to sing with others and not just listen to people sing. It is a great thing. It's great to be back. And I got good news for you. We are now right between 59 and 60% of pre-COVID attendance back in person. And that is an amazing thing. Just at 60% are back. 60%. And I got to tell you, I know what a lot of churches are doing, and I'm sure there's some other churches that are our size that have that, but I don't know who they are. There, it is an amazing thing, this size church to be back at 60%. But here's what I'm asking. I'm asking that in the month of June, that we have 65% that come back in the month of June. So what does that mean? It means 300 more people in person. And I am asking you that are watching online, I'm asking you and your family to be a part of the 300 who come back. Did you know that in every service, I see our doctors back? Some have masks and some do not. And I see our nurses back. Some have masks and some who not do not. And if you have already been vaccinated or you've had the COVID, I'm told that it's like being vaccinated. Uh, are, are you just are so confident? It, I, I'm fine, I'm good. Come back. Come back, let you and your family be a part of the 300 more that come back and I'm asking for at least one of our services that we have 65% back in person. So I'm asking you, would you do that? And I do know it's summer and I do know vacations are here, but we got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that are still online. And so we can reach it and I'm asking you to be back 
in person during the month of June. Please do this. Everybody wants to be successful, everybody. In our marriage, in raising our kids, kids in raising our parents, all of us want to be successful. In our jobs, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're wanting to be successful. I've never had one person come to me and say, you know what, Mark, every single morning I get up, get on my knees beside my bed, and I ask God, please make me a failure today. I just desperately want to fail. Nobody does that. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to be successful. This week, I got a letter from a 33-year-old man who wrote me and said, I just want you to know that I am now out of prison, and I want you to know that I am. And I look back on my time in prison, and I'm embarrassed by it. I'm sad by it, but the truth is I did what they said I did, and I should have gone to prison. But I want you to know this that I'm not a bad person, that I made some wrong decisions and I've paid for it. But the truth is when I look back at my stay in prison, I'm grateful that God opened my eyes to the truth about who I am and who I can be and who God wants me to be. And I wanna be that person. I wanna walk with God, I wanna follow God. And I want my life to be successful. Here's the truth, everybody, all of us, all of us want to be a success. Now, we have times in our life in which we experience success, but to have a successful life has to start from inside, not outside. You can't have someone pushing us and we be successful, except for maybe a moment in time, but to live a successful life, oh, that's another thing. That has to start inside of us. And that's what I wanna talk about. Over the course of this month, over these four weeks, this week and the next three weeks, I want to talk about this whole idea of learning how to be successful to win from within. Because that is really what this last section of Philippians is all about. We have arrived at this part in the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians was written by a guy, we know his name, the Apostle Paul. But I gotta tell you, during his lifetime, Those people that knew him, that walked with him, felt that he was the the greatest living Christ follower on the face of the earth. This was the kind of life he was living. And here 2,000 years ago, we're still talking about this guy. In 2,000 years, if Jesus doesn't come back, first of all, I'm gonna be wildly surprised if we're still around, or if the world is still around 2,000 years from now. But in 2,000 years, if it is, not one person will ever know that I existed. But they will still be talking about the Apostle Paul 2,000 years from now. This was the kind of guy that he was. And it is this man who says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, join with others in following my example. Don't see that as a statement of arrogance. It's not. He's just simply saying, God showed me how I can be successful in my life. And I'm asking you, come and follow my lead. I'm just following Christ's lead. 
And then he goes on to say, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. And this is what I'm trying to talk about today. I want to talk to you about the pattern for a successful life. The pattern that we can live out in our life, in which we can overcome our hangups. We can overcome our bad habits. We, we can live a life of success from the inside out. You're not gonna be a bit surprised at what point one is. This is what Paul is giving us in the passage and you won't be at all surprised by it. The very first part of the pattern is to be honest about our past failures. Listen to what Paul says and how he puts it in Philippians chapter three, verses 12 and 13. Not that I have already obtained or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I might lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold on it, meaning perfection yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Now, what you might not know about is that the passage before this, Paul is sharing some of the great failures of his life. And now he is saying to us in verses 12 and 13, and look, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't reached perfection yet. I still mess up. I still blow it. I still have failures in my life. I don't have it all together. I'm still growing. This is what he's saying. And isn't that the point of this? Successful people never stop growing. We, we keep stretching, we keep developing, we keep expanding, we keep learning. And I'm gonna tell you this, when we get to the place, and I've seen some people that live this way, maybe sometimes it's, be, it's about age. Well, I've already done it, I've already lived all these years, and now I'm just gonna kick back and not, I don't care about learning anymore, I'm just gonna live out my life. I'm gonna tell you, the very moment we stop learning, we stop growing, is the day we die. And I've met a lot of people that are dead before they're dead. Part of living life is no matter where we are and what, we are, what we're doing, we keep pressing forward. We keep growing and developing and learning. And one of the most important steps in getting it all together is admitting and dealing with our past failures. So how do we do this? What, what, what's the right direction? There are three key principles we've got to grab hold of with this part of the pattern. And here is the first one. We must periodically take a, take a personal moral inventory of our life. Look, AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, Celebrate Recovery, every self-help group, and there's a lot of them out there, all of them have this as a key component that there has gotta be a time in our life, periodically in our life, the rest of our life, that we take a moral inventory of our own self. And the failures and the difficulties and struggles of our life because this is one of the ways we grow. 
what it means is that you get honest with yourself. And so however you do it, however you take notes, some of you take notes digitally, some of you take it with hard copy paper in front of you. I do it with cards. I literally have a stack of cards everywhere, <laughs> everywhere I'm at, wherever I go. I, I, in my ready room, I've got a stack of cards. I've got a stack of cards every day. And every day I write out, here are the things I've got to get done today. And I make a list. And then as I go the list, I strike it out and strike it out. There's some days I get almost none of it done because new things pop up I didn't expect. But a successful, a great, crazy successful day for me is to strike a line through everything. Yay, God, I got it all done. But one of the ways in which I have learned in my life that I've got to do every so often is take a moral inventory of me and of the, the areas of my life that I'm struggling with, the areas of my life I'm a terrible failure in, and to make that list in my own life. It's got to happen every so often. It's part of growing. And listen to what he says in Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 40. Let us examine our ways and test them. Test our ways. Every one of us need to have moments in our life in which we stop and we take an inventory. How am I doing? And to be honest with ourselves about our failures. Psalm 139, verse 22, 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He's saying we all have to have a time. Ever so often we test ourselves. God, by your word, not by public opinion, not by what I wish was right, but what your word says is right. Test me, show me where I am failing. See, every one of us have negative cycles in our life. Did you know that? And some of those negative cycles develop when we're teenagers, some with our, when we're children, some teenagers, some young adult, uh, when we're young adults. Negative cycles in our life. And sometimes we don't even realize it and we get married and now we're sharing life with another human being and he has negative cycles, she has negative cycles and then they begin to clash. And what happens is then we struggle and we fight and oh, we make up and I am so sorry, I will never do that again. And then a week later, a month later, six months later, what is happening to me? I am right back where I was before. Why? Because there are negative cycles inside of us and sometimes we're not even aware of them and maybe you need some counseling and counseling is good but the counseling is help me to understand why I keep going back to this why I keep doing this there are negative cycles in my life and those negative cycles clash with the person we're married with it's the reason why we struggle coming to understand these truths about us, coming to understand what's really going on inside of us. The first thing that needs to happen, we gotta get honest with ourselves. Maybe we need somebody to help us get honest with ourselves. So open your mind to that idea. Then second of all, we need to accept personal responsibility for our faults. This is almost a lost art in America today. In America today, we blame everybody else. 
We're just hunting for people we can blame. Well, it's not my fault, it's your fault. And somehow I'll figure out how it is. And we're just blaming all the time, blaming somebody else. We blame people that are close to us. We blame people we don't even know. Blaming other people for our negative cycles, our negative responses. But I'm going to tell you, every time we do it, we're never going to get well. Not ever going to get on the other side of it until we take personal responsibility for ourselves. And we man up. We woman up. And we own up. And this is what the Bible is saying in Proverbs 20, 20 verse 27. The Lord gave us a mind and a conscience and we can't hide from ourselves. And we know that to be true. We know in the depth of our heart, I'm the one that made the decision to do what I did. We gotta come to a place of accepting personal responsibility. And there's a third part of all of this and it's simply this. We need to ask God and others then for forgiveness. Hey, this is, this is easy to grasp. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9. If we freely admit that we've sinned, we find God utterly reliable. Circle the words, utterly reliable. We'll find him utterly reliable. That he forgives our sins and he makes us thoroughly clean from all of our transgressions. Now that idea of is that if we will admit if we will freely admit. The idea of the phrase actually means not just admit that it happened, that I did something wrong, but, at, but come to a place of not just regret, but a place of owning it, asking for forgiveness, and being willing to forsake it. We come to this place, and the Bible says God is utterly reliable, that not only will he forgive us, he will cleanse us of all that we have done. I know some of you are thinking right now, you do not know me, Mark. You do not know the depth of my sin. You do not know the depth of the stain of the things that I have done. And there is no way God would ever forgive me not of what I've done. You know what? Partially true. Here is the truth. I don't know you and you don't know me. And I don't know the depth of the stain of your sin and you don't know mine. But here's what we do know. God is utterly reliable. Utterly reliable to forgive us. And not just to forgive us, but to cleanse us from all our sin. Listen to what he says in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. No matter how deep the stain of your sin is. No matter how deep the stain of your sin is, I can take it out and I can make it as clean as freshly fallen snow. No, it's not too good to believe. It's true. He'll forgive you and he will cleanse you. But that is between us and God. There is another thing between us and others. And James chapter five, verse 16 says, admit your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You and I, when we have messed up in our relationship with someone else, we need to go and say to them, I own up to what I did and I'm asking your forgiveness. I'm asking your forgiveness and your prayer for me 
I want to have a good relationship with you. So I'm asking you the question, what is true about you? What is it about your past that you need to man up, you need to woman up, own up, and you need to get right? You see, to be wildly successful, you can't do that with a life unless something happens inside you, not externally, internally. And the first thing that needs to happen is you got to go back and face your failures. But there's a second thing then. He then says, let go of the past. Look at what he says in Philippians 3.13. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. And maybe you're thinking, wait a minute, you just said, go back into my past. Now you're telling me to forget my past. Which one is it? And the answer, both. It's both. Once we go back and we deal with the issues of our past honestly and truthfully, he's forgiven us and he's cleansed us and we now need to forgive ourselves. We need to let it go. I didn't know this existed, but and as of 2006 in the United States, there's a small group of people who began right around New Year's, maybe it's New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, right around New Year's to have something that is called Good Riddance Day. Good Riddance. Haven't you wanted to have a Good Riddance Day? And what the Good Riddance Day is, is that these individuals get together, they, they write out on a, a hard copy all the things that year. Man, it was so discouraging. Write those things out, so disappointing. Things, failures of their life and things that other people did to hurt them. They write out as much as they can remember on that sheet of paper and then they get in a line in front of an industrial sized shredder and one after another, they don't share what's on their paper with each other, they just put it in the shredder and I guess other people clap when they put it in the shredder and good riddance day. It's gone, it's done. It, it was sort of mimicked after a, a Latin American custom of uh, uh, similar to this in which at the end of the year, they would take things that symbolized wounds and hurts and disappointments in life and they would use those symbols put them inside of a doll like the inside of a stuffed doll kind of thing and then they would throw them in the fire I didn't know that existed but when I heard about this I thought of masks I thought of my masks I did, I thought of my mask. Now some of my, we don't know what's coming, I'm not gonna do that yet with my mask. Maybe something's coming, I don't know about. And besides that, some of my masks are Oklahoma Sooner masks and I, I can't, throw, can't do that with them. But, but, but to someday, sometime, I'm not gonna just throw my mask in the trash, I'm gonna burn those dudes, I am. Someday I'm gonna do that. Did you know that, it was either Friday or yesterday, I can't remember which one it was because I was looking at a couple of things, but I came across a video of some of the shots of the last pandemic. It was in, what, 1915 or 18 or whenever it was. And it was during that time. And they showed snapshots 
and even some video clips. Uh, I don't think it was video clips. I think it was snapshots of, of guys, baseball players who had masks on, businessmen who had masks on, people shopping in stores that had masks on. What we just went through, they went through then and they did the same thing. They wore masks. And I wouldn't be a bit surprised if there was a day they took those masks and burned them and I'm gonna burn mine. Good riddance day or however you wanna say it. I'm gonna do that with mine. But there has to be a day that with whatever it is in our life, we're willing to let it go. Listen to one of the good riddance day organizers. It really is this need we have, even when the world is so crazy to say, you know what, I'm gonna let go of the things that have been dragging me down and going, and going to start looking forward with a sense of hope and the possibility of change, either for myself personally or for the world. So this is a chance to detox in a big way. And this is what the Bible teaches, let it go. Did you know the, the word that is translated forgive means that, that you let it go. Let go of your past failures. Let go of your hurts and wounds. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, listen to what it says. Forget the former things. This is God talking. Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See what I see, I am doing a new thing. This is God talking. And maybe you're arguing right now and you're saying, forget, don't you understand our brain? We, we keep all that record inside our brain. Well, God made our brain. He certainly understands it. That word that is translated forget actually means that you stop letting it affect you. You stop letting it control you. You stop letting it manipulate you. I clearly remember God forgiving me. And I choose to forgive myself. Ah, now, I will not let that manipulate me anymore. I will not let that control me anymore. I choose to let it go. I will not let it affect my life. I'm gonna tell you something. Successful people learn from the past without dwelling on the past. And there is a big difference. So there's three things we gotta let go of. We gotta let go of our failures. We gotta let go of our failures. We've got to let go of our hurts. And you're gonna be really surprised by the next one. We gotta let go of our successes. Now, that sounds crazy. No, sir, I got that trophy and it's on the trophy shelf. So why let go of our successes? Charles Koch is the co-owner, chairman of the board and chief executive officer of Koch Industries. And here's what he says. My philosophy is that one of the biggest enemies of future success is past success. Because you become complacent. And one of the ways you can keep from that happening is celebrate the successes, yay for the success, and then walk away from it. Let's go toward the next success. Jesus said essentially the same kind of thing. In Luke chapter nine, verse 62, Jesus said, anyone who starts to plow and then keeps looking back is of no use for the kingdom of God. You cannot drive forward by looking in your rearview mirror. 
You can drive backward, but that's what you're doing. You're driving backward. You look in your rear view mirror, you cannot make success. You gotta get your eyes off the rear view mirror and you gotta start looking forward. You cannot run forward by looking backward. You're gonna run into a tree. You gotta look forward. You gotta look forward. You gotta stop looking backward. You gotta look forward. So what is it that you gotta let go of? In your own life, what do you gotta let go of? Have the courage to do that. Own up to the past, now let it go. And third of all, focus on the future. Successful people are goal-oriented. They focus on the future. You've heard this phrase that if you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it. It's true. You know it, you've heard that, you've said it. Listen to what he says in Philippians 3.13. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold on it yet, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Now the same guy who just said that, I am looking forward to what lies ahead, also said this next verse in 1 Corinthians 9.24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one person can gets the prize. Run in such a way as to win the prize. I can't even begin to tell you the times in my ministry in which I've been a failure, times in which in my ministry I have been discouraged and so disappointed. In times that I've had to go back to this verse, this verse has been life to me. I've gone back so many times to this verse and said, I'm getting back on the track, man. I'm going to win the prize. I'm going to put my thoughts and my focus on the future. And the same guy that wrote that verse also wrote this verse in 2 Corinthians 5, 9. So we make our goal to please God. So here's what he's saying. Reach forward to what lies ahead. Run for the prize, and here's the prize. To please God. Now look, I know that some that are listening to me right now are saying, I get that, I totally understand it, and yes. But I also know that some of you are pushing back right now. No. I'm gonna live my life to please me. That's how I've been taught. That's how everybody thinks. I'm not going to live my life to please God. Now, a part of me may be to please God, but, but the focus, the primary goal of my life is to please me. So let's talk about it. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to hear me out. Hear me out. Let's say that your primary goal is money. I want to get as much money as I can get. I've got this goal of the number of dollars, or maybe I don't know what the number is, but I'm going to give everything I have to making as much money as I can make. Well, I'm going to tell you something. You'll be successful to some limit. You will make a certain amount of money. And, but here's what I will tell you when you get to the end of that. You will discover it is empty. You made it, you got the money, but how many relationships did you destroy along the way? How many relationships did you neglect along the way? You got there, but when you get there, you're gonna find out just how empty it really is. 
Or maybe it's pleasure. I'm going to live my life. My primary goal is pleasure. Well, you can do it. You can accomplish it. How many broken people will you leave in your wake? And then when you get to the end, you're going to discover that it's empty. And here's what I want to say to you. I don't care what it is. You can fill in the blank with any other thing. Money, pleasure, whatever. You can fill in the blank. Fill it in. Fill in the blank. And here's what I'm telling you. If that's your primary goal, when you get to the end, I'm promising you this. It will be empty. And you will think to yourself when you get there, I have lived only one life. I only had one life to live. I lived this one life and now I've gotten there. And it's not what I thought. If only I could turn back the pages. If you knew how many people I've sat with in my office and they say, if only I could turn back the pages. But here is what I want to say to you. If you make God your primary goal, he has said, I will then make sure you get everything else. That you can have it all. But the only way you get it all is if you make me the primary goal. Now, how do I know this to be true? Well, this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. The amplified version, so here we go. But seek, the word seek means to aim at and strive after. Give it everything you got. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What is that? His way of doing and being right. Seek first what God says is the right direction, the right way to go, the right thing. If you will seek first what God says is the right way to live your life, then all these other things taken together will be given to you besides. What is Jesus saying? You can have it all. But there's only way you, one way you can have it all. You can have it all. But you have it all by making the decision, my primary goal is Jesus, to please him. And then God wants you to have it all. And he'll make sure that you do. When you go after God first, it doesn't mean that you're losing anything. Listen to me. It doesn't mean you're losing anything. It means that you will finally have it, but in the right way. It doesn't mean that you're going to be rich and famous, but it also doesn't mean you're not going to be rich and famous. It means that whatever you now accomplished with all the other things, there will be meaning and purpose and not emptiness. And here's what I'm going to say to you. You only got one shot. All of us only have one shot at living this life. And if you roll the dice in the wrong direction, if you make the wrong choice, that's your only shot. And I'm here to tell you that if you will make the decision, my primary goal is going to be pleasing Jesus. Here is what's going to happen. You can have it all. Because God wants you to win. He wants you to have 
that kind of life. And this is what Paul is saying in Philippians 3.14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And here is what Jesus said. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what he's trying to do in your life. But my purpose is to give you life in all of its abundance. I want you to have it all. But there's only one way you can, and that is to make the decision. I'm going to make my primary goal in life to please God, and then God will make sure I get it all. That I have a life of meaning and purpose, and I'm challenging you to open your heart to it. Focus on the future. Then here is the last thing. Never give up. Philippians 3.14, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The verse I just read, but notice the word press, I press. It means to go for it with everything I have. It means that I throw myself into it. Listen to this, the great people in life are just ordinary people. The great people in life are just ordinary people with an extraordinary amount of determination. That's what separates them. They keep keeping on and they refuse to give up. They're not wildly talented. They're wildly determined. Herschel Walker, I I always liked Herschel Walker and I, I didn't even know he was a Christ follower. Now that I know he is, I like him all the more. He is my brother in Christ and he is living the life. That's That's what I understand from those who know this man. And here is the statement he makes. He says, my God-given talent is my ability to stick with something longer than anybody else. Now look, a few weeks ago, I read a story. I can't for the world of me find it. It was a story written by a quarterback, and I don't know who in the world he is. Now I can't remember. I didn't keep the article. Can't find it again. But here is what he said in the article. He was being interviewed, I think. And here's what he said. He said, what, what we do every single week in the NFL is that we practice the two-minute drill. Now, if you know football, you know what the two-minute drill is. You're behind. Maybe it's one score or two scores. I don't know how many scores, but you are behind, and you've got two minutes left in the game, and what do you do? And it's called the two-minute drill. And he said, what happens, we practice that literally every single week. And what we do is we realize that the two-minute drill is not about talent. It's about a mental and emotional battle. That's what the two-minute drill is. We don't, we, it's not about talent. It's about who we are and how we handle the inside of us. So he said, here's what the coaches teach us. All the players that are on the field, especially the quarterback, don't think about the score. Don't think about the score anymore. Put the score out of your mind. You only think about one thing. Nothing else. One thing. What's the one thing they think about? You think about the next play. That's all you think about. I want to execute this next play. And if I fail that play, I want to execute the next play. I want to execute it well. If I do well on this play, now my only focus is the next play. My only focus is the next play. My only focus is the next play. I do not think about the score. In the same way, no matter how hard this moment is that you're going through, 
no matter how far you are honestly and truthfully from the goal, you remember this. You are never doing wrong by doing right. Don't cut corners. Well, I would never cheat or steal, but I've got to do it now because I've got to make up lost ground. No. You are never doing wrong by doing right. To keep going forward, you've got to do the next right thing and 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 leave the results up to God. He wants you to succeed. But you cannot do right by doing wrong. You never do wrong when you do right. So make the decision that you're going to put your mind and heart not on the score, not on how far back you are, but on the next play. I will do the right thing and leave the results up to God. And this is what Paul is saying, and listen to how he says it. 2 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I kept going. I refused to quit. And now there is stored up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will reward me on that day. God is going to see me through. Either in this life or the life to come, I am going to be rewarded for doing the right thing and refusing to quit. And that's what I'm challenging you with today. Don't quit. Don't give up. The greatest thing that could happen to you today is to come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and let the Holy Spirit of God come into your life and become your power and to help you do the right thing and live the right life and make Jesus Lord of your life. And if you do, you'll get it all. And you'll live a life of meaning and purpose. And you'll look back on your life and you will not regret it. <laughs> you will realize you did it right. And so I'm asking you today, would you open your heart and say yes to Jesus today? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you today and this is truth. This is the pattern to be successful in our life, to win from within. And I ask, Father, that you would move in hearts today that are watching online all over this, this city, all over this state, all over this country, around the world, that are watching online right now, that this would be the moment of salvation in their heart. And from all of our in-person campuses, there are individuals who've come today, they need Jesus as their savior. May this be the day of salvation. May they give their heart to you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.